listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Do you know what we call this meeting we've come to? Like, what's the word we, when we say? Like, we're coming to church, but this particular meeting on it's called what? Yeah, we call it a worship service. It's a, it's, a, it's a worship service. That's what we've come to. Now, what does worship service mean in this context? We've come to offer our service of worship to God. That's what we've come to do. Like the number one reason we come to church, the number one reason we should come to church, is so that we can offer our worship to God. So, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's 114 questions and answers. The first question is, what is the chief end or purpose of a human being? And the response in the catechism, you know, it's teaching children what to believe, right? The response is, the chief end of a human being is to love God, to worship God, and to enjoy God forever. To worship God and to enjoy God forever. That's what humans are made for, is to worship God and to enjoy God forever. And so we come on Sundays and we participate in a worship service. Lots of things happen in a worship service. Um, scriptures are read. We've heard that a couple of times today already, thanks to Grayson, who just read this passage from Mark's Gospel. And also uh, thanks to Alan Pena, who kind of read our call to worship this morning. So we read scriptures in the worship service. We also sing songs, right? Thank you so much to Beth and the rest of the band who kind of led us in our singing and our, that type of worship. We hear sermons. We come to the table. We pray the prayers of the people. We greet one another. These are the things that we do in a worship service. Now over the years, I've, had, uh, I've been around church kind of my whole life, um, kind of raised in the church. And then I went to seminary, and so I've worked in churches. And I, you know, I teach at a Christian college, and so I'm always around kind of church folk. And sometimes I'll hear this, and perhaps you've heard it too. People will say that, you know, they're looking for a church, or they found a church, or what they, what they want in a church is to be fed. Now, I can appreciate that. Like, I wouldn't want to go to a place where I wasn't fed. Uh, that would be kind of uh, counterproductive. But when I think about going to church, too many times, when I hear it talked about anyway, too many times it's talked about like what the church can do in, in, in kind of serving those who attend. Now, I think churches should serve their communities, serve the people who attend and serve their larger community. I think that is part of what churches do. But I think it's the second part of what churches do. The first part of what churches do should be to worship God. And in worshiping God, we should be able to offer that service anywhere. And to follow that up, the second thing we should do is to find a place where we can serve. Not where we can be served, 
but where we can serve. So that down in the very DNA of what it means to be a Christian, it means to serve others. Like our friends, but not just our friends, our uh, strangers, <laughs> our strangers. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? What does it mean for a stranger to be our stranger? Well, they're our strangers in the moments that we meet them, right? They're not somebody else's strangers. They're strangers to us. And it's our opportunity to kind of serve them. And so I want us to think about church just in, that, in, just in those ways. That first, what I'm doing at church is I'm coming to worship God, to offer service to God. And then second, I'm coming to offer service to one another, right? To the, to the folks that are there, either there that are live or there in the live stream, or, or maybe, and this is an important group, those who aren't there in person or in the live stream, but we know that they're part of our community, but they can't be with us for one reason or another. They're sick or someone in their family's sick and they're kind of caring for them. Or maybe they're just on vacation. Well, whatever the case may be, caring for those who aren't present is as important as for caring for those who are. So we're starting to see a pattern here. And it's a pattern that Jesus gave us. I mean, he actually said this in this passage that Grayson read for us, that the Son of Man comes not to be served. Uh, thank you, Danny, for serving me. But to serve. At some point, we grow up in the faith and we realize that we're part of a community because it's, it's the place that we serve. We start to refer to the church not as this church, but as my church, my family, where I regularly worship. And so certainly I want that to be a part of your experience. I want you to think of Oasis not as just God's house. I want you, I want you to think of it as your house. That's why we have, you know, the family of God. You've heard that phrase, phrase before, right? We, God is a, is a heavenly parent. So I don't want my children to think of the house where I live as dad's house. I want my children to think of the house as my house, right? It's the house, yeah, yeah, I got, got an amen there. For, for a second, I thought it was one of the kids, it was Beth. <laughs> yeah, but I, I want them to think of it as their house. I mean, certainly they do. But the same goes, the metaphor applies in this context as well. Yes, this is the house of the Lord, but our Lord is our Father. And so by the Lord being our Father, then this is our house. So we, we care for it. We, we serve. We serve God here and we serve one another here. That to serve is, again, quintessential to being Christian. Like if we can't be the church without service. And the service is not just, we're not just the recipients of the service. We are the givers of the service. Now, I should say, we do get served. Like, without, 
without God serving us, this whole thing can't even get started. It is God's grace that comes to us. No one seeks God out on their own. It's always God who is seeking. God's seeking for us whether or not we realize it. And I believe that God is kind of seeking for everyone. Which is why when we meet the quote-unquote stranger, what we're meeting is not just someone who is created in the image of God and should therefore be cherished, but we're meeting a child of God, perhaps who's yet to even meet their father. Like, maybe it'll be our privilege to be the one to introduce them to their new father. How wonderful would that be? Talking about service, that would be a great, great service. So we have to maybe start thinking of ourselves a little differently. So we have this series on friends, friendship, which I love, the one where everybody's welcome. Right? We say that, or we have said it a lot over the years, and it, it, we haven't changed. Perhaps we haven't said it lately, but Oasis is the place where everybody's welcome, anything's possible, or nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. Everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible. I guess I should have said it more often so that I could say it right. <laughs> but last week we talked about the one with the pineapple, right? Being hospitable. Again, the hospitable one is God. He's been hospitable to us. We are the beneficiaries of God's hospitality that then makes us into the benefactors of God's hospitality as we share it. The same, the same principle applies to service. God has served us. Jesus was the one who didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he has served us. And in serving us, he then makes us prepared to become servants. And sometimes a servant has to dress accordingly. And I uh, had not put this apron on before, and I'm very happy it went all the way around. <laughs> I had this real fear as I started to go around that second time. I'm like, uh-oh, I should have practiced. <laughs> and when we're dressed for service, people will know. And I'm not just talking about just dressing up our outside. But when we have a servant's heart, people will discern that. Their intuition will kick in. They'll know that we are those types of people. And this is, this is the reputation that I want Oasis to have. And we only have it to the extent that we live this way. That we become a servant people. That servanthood, like hospitality, gets kind of rooted down into our DNA. And we start to 
live it and, and practice it. There's another uh, passage of scripture that I think fits very nicely with this one. It's another Jesus story. It's in John chapter 13. And interestingly, in John's telling of the story of Jesus, he never mentions the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Gospel of John doesn't contain the words, the body of Christ broken for you, or this is my body which is broken for you, take and eat. Or the words, um, this is my blood shed for you, take and drink. We get that in Matthew, we get it in Mark, we get it in Luke, but we don't get it in John. At the point where we thought we would hear about it, like if you're familiar with Jesus' story, like let's say you started reading the New Testament, and you read Matthew, and then you get to Mark and go, hey, this sounds familiar, I think I've read this before. And then you get to Luke and you're like, uh, they really like repetition. Who's ever putting together this, this group of texts? And then you get to John and John's a really different account in a lot of ways. And at the point, it's the, it's the last meal that Jesus is having with his disciples and probably some others. And, it's, and we know it's at the Passover and he's already predicted his impending uh, death. Right at the time, at the meal where we expect him now to say, had we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is my body which is broken for you, and this is my blood which is shed for you. Instead, John tells us a story of Jesus getting up from the table, the Passover table, the, the, the big celebratory meal. It'd be like getting up from a, a Thanksgiving meal, right? Or even something a, a bit more elaborate if possible. If, imagine that you come from a family um, that dresses up for dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus gets up. He takes off his clothes. He puts on a towel. And so now he's dressed up like a slave. He's dressed up like a servant when he proceeds to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, Foot washing in the ancient world was a form of hospitality. Like if um, somebody was coming to your house, uh, you would have someone wash their feet. If someone, you know, you would get ready at your house, but then on the way over, uh, you know, wearing sandals and dirt roads, your feet get a little dusty. And so washing their feet would be something you'd do as an act of hospitality and an act of welcome. So you would wash their feet, and then you would go and have the meal. But Jesus doesn't wash their feet before the meal. These little details, I think, make all the difference in the world. It says they were at the meal, and Jesus gets up and changes his clothes, and then starts to wash their feet. So there's a couple ways we could read this. Either... Jesus was trying to pull off a really great illustrated sermon, but he was messing it up a little bit. That's one option. Or he knew exactly what he was doing, and when he got up in the midst of the meal and started to wash their feet, he wasn't simply offering them some generic act of hospitality or service because it wasn't really the time for it. I think he was offering them something deeper, something more spiritual. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, what do you think you're doing? You think you're going to wash my feet? Like, 
you're the master, I'm the student. If anybody's washing anybody's feet here, I'll be washing your feet. And Jesus is like, Peter, 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 Peter. No, I'm, just go with this, buddy. I'm trying to teach you something. If I don't wash your feet, you can't be my disciple. Well, Peter then, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All of a sudden, this guy a little serious. Well, if having my feet washed by you is a requirement for me becoming your disciple, then don't just wash my feet. Give me a bath. Wash my head and hands as well. Now, once again, there's a couple of ways we can read this text. Either Peter is just that dense and he's actually asking Jesus to give him a bath, which I don't think is the best way to read it. Or he is picking up on the not so subtle uh, clues here that Jesus is doing something more than just some act of hospitality. In that religious setting, there was a setting where you would have gotten all wet and they would have already done this, and it's called baptism. Uh, they would have been baptized. Now, Jesus is saying, the one who has washed has no need to, um, the one who has been bathed has no need to wash except for the feet. So it's like, we're not, we're not here to rebaptize you, Peter. This is something different. This is something that comes later, comes after. So again, to kind of tease out the theology of the illustrated sermon that Jesus is giving to his disciples and now to us through the Gospel of John. In our baptism, we get water all over us and we kind of go down into the water kind of representing our death. We come out of the water representing our new life in Christ. Christ was the one who goes down in the grave and he comes up we go down in the water like that, and we come up. So we have sinned, right? We've all sinned. We've sinned more than we want to talk about. Sin is real. Maybe I should talk about it more with you. Sin is no joke. It's not that it's problematic for God as though somehow it, it bothers God or God has a difficult time dealing with it. It's, it's problematic because it hurts us and it separates us from God and from one another. God wants to deal with sin because of the damage that sin does to people. And then the damage that sin does through people yet to other people or even to the earth itself. That's why God's dealing with it. So, he's dealing with it through his son, and we know that story. We sang about it this morning about the cross, about the resurrection. We remember it every week at the table. But our baptism is not the end of that journey. It's at the beginning of the journey. And at the beginning of the journey, we're acknowledging that we do have a problem and we are sinful and we need forgiveness. And Jesus has done that. He's done the work. Forgiveness is readily available. But we continue to live our lives. 
and our lives are complex and complicated. So a little show of hands. How many of you have been baptized? How many of you, since your baptism, have sinned? <laughs> okay. So it's not like the baptism just kind of dealt with sin once and for all. We continue, hopefully not too regularly. We get convicted. We learn. We grow, right? Our tastes change. But when we have sinned after our baptism, I think what's being said here is that forgiveness is still available. It's not like forgiveness was only available at the baptism. Like, I'll forgive you once, right? But uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus never said that, right? It's not like you mess up once and he'll forgive you, but you mess up twice, you're out of here. No. There is forgiveness. And there is an act in the church, an act of service, where Jesus is washing their feet and he's offering them forgiveness of those post-baptismal sins. He's saying, you are clean. You, you are ready to go. You are ready to go and to serve. Like, that's what we're prepared for. Jesus is getting ready to depart this earth when, he, when this story is told. He's washing the feet of the disciples, not simply because they need their sins forgiven, although, once again, I think that is the primary point, right? We come to church to worship God, to serve God, to serve one another. And in the process, we are also served. In the same way, Jesus washes their feet, and that's for them. I mean, it serves as an example for them, and that's good. But first and foremost, it's for them. What's happening to them? They are being transformed. They are getting their sins forgiven. Like, we can't forget that. That's good news. But once again, the forgiveness of their sins, even their post-baptismal sins, is not the end of the story. We're just in, in the middle, perhaps. If baptism's at the beginning, we're just in the middle because their sins are forgiven, not just so that they can be saved. Their sins are forgiven so that they can be prepared to serve. Because now with their feet washed, and Jesus departing, they get to be the apostles, right? They get to be the ones who carry Jesus' message to the world. Now, I'm not saying today that we're all going to be apostles. I mean, that's, I think that's been covered pretty well. But I am saying today we can all be servants. And that to be a servant is to be like Christ. And to be a servant is to be a great friend. Because I know this sounds cliche, but it's, it, it, this is true. The fair weather friends, friends are your friends when things go well, when, 
in a way, we're not quite sure yet whether or not we're friends. Right? There's an old proverb that says that um, uh, calm seas don't make good sailors. Right? It's rough seas that make good sailors. Because calm seas, we don't know if you're any good at it yet or not. And the same goes for friendship. We, we know a friend is a friend when we've been through the hard times. And we've been through some hard times. There have been some tough things that have happened to us and are happening to us. I would like to go on record as damning uh, COVID. Damn COVID. I hate that thing. I'm ready for it to die. I don't like what it's doing to people. I don't like what it's, what it's doing to the culture. I don't like what it's doing to the economy. Right? But in the midst of all that, I know this. I love you. I love Oasis. You're welcome, Pat. I love Oasis, and I want you to love Oasis and to serve one another. And I want us all together to serve God. And we serve God in a variety of ways in our corporate gathering of worship. That's part of how we serve God. But as we learned last week, or as we talked about last week, wasn't the first time we've learned it, that one of the ways in which we serve God is serving the God that we find in others. That spark of the divine in which they were created. Particularly, and I'm going to get it out of order, I got it out of order twice last week, but the thirsty, the hungry, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. I think I'm actually, I got it right that time. But that, that's not all. It's also the full and the clothed. We're, we're going to love them too. Because that's the place we're going to be. The one where everybody's welcome. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.